back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. If you listened to last week's show, you know that I was in a hostel in the middle of coronavirus, and now I'm in Broome, Western Australia, with my friend that is also American, and we are kind of stuck right now in Western Australia. Welcome to the show, Rachel Stroh. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chels. Nice to be here. This is wild because we actually met only, what, a week or two ago? Yeah. Two weeks ago, I guess. And we met up in Cairns. The reason we were both up there was to do our 88 days, which if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should go listen to the last episode. Americans have to do 88 days of work in a regional part of Australia to get another visa. So we actually both went to a recruiter, the same person that placed us in the same exact job. And we got really lucky in that we were able to stay at someone's house while we were nannying. And then we're going to work at the hotel. And yesterday morning, we ended up at a staff meeting where everyone got let go. So that is why we're both here now. We're both actually staying in the same exact house. We're both nannying. We're both in Western Australia. But I figured, who better to podcast with? Because we're probably feeling the same exact thing because we are going through the same exact thing. So why don't we rewind your story? Let's go to your, your whole origin story. Like, How did you end up in Australia? So I ended up in Australia. Um, I've been here eight and a half, almost nine months now. Um, So I came out a month after graduation um, from college because pretty much I figured I'm going to be working the rest of my life. I'm going to be going to school. Like I want to get my master's and my PhD. I want to do all this stuff. But before I even got there, I wanted to come out to Australia because why not? Why not go off, travel for a year in my mind, I didn't even know if I was going to last the whole year, if I was going to like it. I just wanted to try it out, see what Australia was all about, because it was somewhere I hadn't been before. Um, So that's what got me here, and I've been loving it ever since. And now, like you said, I'm trying to get my second year, trying to get those 88 days, because everything's gone so well. And you did something really interesting, Semester at Sea. Can you tell us about that? Yes, Semester at Sea was the best experience of my life. So that was my study abroad that I did my junior year of college. And so it was essentially four months on a cruise ship, sweet life of Zach and Cody on deck. Like everything you watched in that show is what I did for my study abroad. So we got on the ship in California. We sailed to like Japan. We went China, India, Myanmar, Mauritius, um, South Africa. And then we did like Ghana and then Spain and then ended in Germany. And it was just fabulous. Like we, when we were on the ship, we were learning and we were studying. And what was really nice is while we were sailing to Japan before we got there, we were studying about Japan, studying the culture and like all my classes. And then so when I got to Japan, I felt really educated, like way more than when I'm normally traveling. I had all this background. So that was really great. So I did four months there and then, you know, I didn't get to do Australia during that time. So that's when I made the decision to come out to Australia because was, that was something I hadn't done before. Were you a big traveler before studying abroad or did that spark your interest in travel? Uh, My parents, I've been lucky enough, they are big travelers. Um, And I've done a little bit of family traveling, you know, mainly around the States and a couple of trips abroad. But the semester at sea was my first big plunge because that I had still a lot of, you know, separation anxiety. And I was just really nervous to be out on my own. That was a little nice because it was you know, they walked me through it and I had a bunch of Americans on this ship versus coming to Australia was like an even bigger plunge into the travel pool. That was, I had absolutely no one here. I knew nothing about, I thought I was going to be riding kangaroos to work and all this. Um, so yeah, but it's been, both of the experiences have been great and I've, I feel really blessed to have been able to do both of them yeah I can relate because studying abroad I did Spain and it was the same thing where what we were learning we had to apply in real life like we would learn Spanish but we would have to go to a local cafe and order in Spanish so I became almost fluent because we were applying what we learned so I think Rachel and I are both basically endorsing study abroad (laughs) if your university or your college has it take advantage because I feel like that's something that really shaped my whole travel like love Oh, yeah. Same for me, too. And learning, I can say so much, like, learning about a culture before you go there and, like, you learning Spanish while you're there just 
makes your knowledge, I don't know, it makes you appreciate the country more mm-hmm. while you're there. As when you're learning about it or learning their culture, learning their language, interacting with them in that way, it makes you really right. appreciate it. So you found out about Australia's working holiday visa, how? So I should backtrack. I Hong Kong was part of my semester at sea travel, and I absolutely fell in love with Hong Kong, and I originally wanted to go there. And then I was looking into the visas and all of that for Hong Kong. It was so much more difficult. So that's when I came up with the Australia. I was like, oh, I haven't been there. I should just search into their visas. And the working holiday visa was the easiest application. It was pretty much instant approval. You just say, hey, Rachel Strove, fill out your details, fill out your passport number, and then you pretty much get approved. Versus Hong Kong was I had to find a work sponsorship first. Which if you're not already in the country, no one really wants to sponsor you, especially as like an undergraduate. It was just so difficult. So that's how I kind of, I just random Googling, I guess, is what got me here. And it was so crazy because I remember it was like my spring semester of my like senior year in college. And I just randomly told all my roommates that I'm moving to Australia. And they just like had the most shocked looks. Like the look you have on your face now, they were just so shocked. Um... But yeah, it's been the best. That just spontaneous decision has been the best. Did you Did you have your parents' support? Or were they like, whoa, maybe you should have talked to us about this before. How was that like? I kind of eased them into it. I definitely, I brought it up the idea and made them think it was more, like less of a spontaneous decision than it was already. But my parents, they know how headstrong I am in general. So, and I think me doing the study abroad, they were more in support of it because I knew I already had that base and I knew what I was kind of getting myself into instead of, you know, and I had been living it like on my own for four years throughout college. So they definitely were in support, which was really nice because if they would have second guessed it, I know I would have second guessed it and then maybe wouldn't be here. Yeah, I was actually telling my sister that yesterday. I was like, even though I'm 29 and when I came here, I was 28, if my mom and dad had said, Australia is so stupid, why would you go there? You don't know anybody. I probably would have not come. Like, their opinion meant so much to me. So it's interesting to hear that you, two your parents were like, okay, like, let's see how it goes. You're like, okay, I'm going to go in. Like, let's just yeah. do it. That was the thing that I always talked about with my parents is, if it sucks, you can always come back. And then what did you really lose? You lost whatever you spent in the flights, but that's pretty much it. Like there was nothing to lose in that scenario. We should definitely expand upon that more because I left a corporate job and everyone was like, why are you leaving? Like, what's Mm. the point? Is this just something to like, is this a soul searching thing? A lot of people thought I was coming to quote unquote, find a husband. People were asking if I was following a boy. People thought I had a career over here. And I was like, no, I just want to explore. And people are like, I can't believe you're just quote unquote giving up your life here and I was like I don't feel like I'm giving anything up because like you said there's not a fence around Australia even though kind of now there is <laughs> there's, you know what right I mean? now, but... a little bit bad timing but I was like if I hate it I come back if I love it I stay like it's a 50 50 chance of both so why not yeah. just go explore it did you ever come in with it it with the thought in mind like okay, I need a plan B just in case I hate it? Or were you just like, I'm just going to go all in and then I'll get to plan B when I get there? I would say more of the latter. My plan B was pretty much go home and do, you know, apply for medical school, apply for all this graduate school at the time. So that was already my plan B. Actually, when I came here originally, I was thinking I would travel for a couple months And then I would apply for graduate school while I was here. But then I've had so many self-revelations and it's so funny. I'm not even anywhere near that plan that, you know, I set for myself nine months ago, a plan that I've had for 22 years. And then just in the last nine months, I've completely changed just by being here. It's so wild how that does, what it does to you. Yeah. I can vividly remember each moment when I chose to kind of change my path. And those were like some of my best days here in Australia. It's like you just have this like revelation and you're like, wow, this isn't what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Which I think is so important because a lot of people in their 20s, they, you know, they're like, I have to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And especially 
in the States, I've noticed, because everyone that I've talked to, like a lot of people are here are European, mm-hmm. and they have, it seems like they have much more freedom in their culture to do whatever they want, find their path, make their way, versus being American, I feel like we have it predetermined, laid out for us. You go to school, you do this, you do that, and you get your career, and you go, and that's all said and done. You just do it how your parents did, versus when you're traveling, you get to find out what you actually want to do. Just cast aside any like what I should like. You just the word should is just gone, mm-hmm. and you're just like, what do I actually want? And it's so freeing. Did you find that as well? Yeah, and yeah. it's interesting because, like you said, it's that like almost epiphany moment where you can actually almost physically feel it. Like I remember being in cafes, getting like butterflies or chills or something, being like, this is what I want to do. Like when I got the idea to really lean into podcasting because I've always had my I've had my podcast for two years. But I was like, no, I really want this to be my full-time thing. I want to help people. I want to help coach people. I want to make graphics for people. Like, it totally, like, lit me up. And I was like, oh, this is weird. I mean, it's not like I felt like that about my other jobs. And it's yeah. like what you said. It's uh, your mind is like, oh, this is a possibility. But you wouldn't have known that if you didn't come here or oh, have exactly. the travel experience. Yeah. You're not going to have those epiphanies stuck in your 9 to 5, Mm-mm. stuck in the same city you don't have time. Yeah. You just don't even have time to think about it. Because I was in my 9 to 5. I had my podcast. But to me, it was a side hustle. I was like, I don't even have time to think of it being something else because I work 40 hours a week. And in my downtime, I'm tired. I want to socialize. Where now when I was working part-time, it's like, I'll have 20 hours a week or 10 hours a week to work on my own stuff. I don't think I would have gotten to that point had I not come here. Yeah. It's It's so freeing to have that time, think about it and be like, wow, this is where my heart, my energy, my energy is getting pulled in this direction. So then you can go to the podcasting. Mm-hmm. That's where your energy just goes and you feel that gravitation. So well, what really about freeing? Yeah. yeah. What about your background? You were supposed to, you know, the whole should thing. What yeah. do you think? What were you thinking you should have done? And now what are you leaning into? So originally my entire college career I was planning on going to medical school and I had the MCAT I had I did everything I did I worked in hospitals for years I did all the studying I did all the extracurriculars I was president of like the pre-health club I just like went for it. I had all my energy in this and then my last semester is just when I started questioning everything I had a really cool ecology professor I was like oh wait maybe I actually want to like do something and do ecology and then I was like, okay, well, I should should go on further. Like, I was like, I'm very educated. I, I should get a higher education. Like, I, this is what I should do. And that's just what all my professors told me my entire four years is, yeah, you should go on, do this. You should do that. You should do that. And then I kind of had this crazy, okay, I'm going to go away for a year. And actually, my professors were pretty supportive of it because they were like, all right, do it but then come back and do all these things. So now, after all of the thinking of I should do this, I'm leaning, I'm really just leaning into just doing what I want. And like like I said, pulling where my energy pulls me, I found I am like really more interested in into ecology and I've gotten really into climate change activism. I'm always on these forums all the time. Like I... I'm from Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes, so I'm really into the water and the ocean, and I did semester at sea, so I feel like there's a lot of things pulling me that's always been to the water, so I'm thinking like ocean ecology, like doing stuff on boats, like I know I have a friend who works on these research vessels, and so he'll go out for three, four months at a time, do ocean research on these like big ships, and then come back and you pull all the data together. And so now I'm thinking like, oh, maybe I want to do something like that. And so I've been spending more time like researching all these avenues, which is maybe something I should have looked into my freshman year of college. But, you know, you get so stuck down that path and you get so you dive your head down deep. And now I'm looking more of what I want to do rather than what I think I should be doing. Yeah. And I see that for you because it's interesting that you say that, too, because I feel like maybe Australia sparked that because Australia is so eco-friendly they're all about tote bags reusable straws like you have to bring your own bag to the grocery store they're very eco-friendly so I feel like this actually probably was the place where that could manifest itself absolutely yeah I've noticed that in the states and I get often really disappointed 
with the states how bad we are like I didn't I thought we were okay especially how I lived my life but then I noticed even all the changes like I could make personally like the my first thing I'm thinking of like the half flush toilets or something in mm. Australia like you can you know, save water that way there's signs everywhere there's like makes composting is so easy that was something I did at my house with my roommates and it was so difficult and we would none of us would want to drive to the compost center we all wanted to do it like right. wanted to compost and say that we did it versus australia makes it so easy like in the hostels have you noticed like there's the garbage bin recycling bin and then there'll be a compost bin too mm-hmm. and i'm like wow this was easy now we're all as a hostel like doing this together versus i don't like no one really does that in the states i haven't no. seen that in any like the college kitchens or any anywhere no. in the states it's just so many ways to be eco-friendly in Australia and even they have like a long way to go as well there's a lot that they could be doing but it was this was a great place for that to manifest me being like wow I am really interested in this and Mm -hmm. this is kind of where I want to go which is like still scientific but so different than the medical path that I had but that's interesting that you said oh I should have maybe done that freshman year I feel like the biggest gift of online, like social media, everything now, everyone can literally do whatever they want. Like you can create your own career, you know what I mean? Which is, that did not exist like 10 years ago. Now it's like, oh, if I want to be a podcast host and coach and on the side, I want to do this and then teach online yoga and meditation, like I'm allowed to do that. So it's like, and I don't use any of, I did not study health, nutrition, yoga, anything in college. I was actually trying to be a sports reporter. But I'm like, you know what? My friend pointed out to me, she's like, you know what, though? All these skills from college did come into play, like reporting, talking, interviewing. It's almost the same thing as podcasting. It's just not sports sideline reporting. But I was like, oh, yeah, it's like it's not like I threw it all away. So to your point, like it's still in that field. It's still research. It's still using the same concepts, just in a different way. I don't regret anything at all because I always think everything I've done every decision I've made has led me to this point mm-hmm. because even choosing my college like that w- they focus so much on study abroad which is actually a big portion why I chose the college I did because mm-hmm. they fostered study abroad so much and they wanted you to go and have that experience do that so they always supported their students so I selected that college did my study abroad without my study abroad I wouldn't have chosen Australia Without coming out to Australia, I wouldn't have known I wanted to do this little career switch. Mm -hmm. Just all those decisions add up. So there's really nothing I regret. And I'm sure you don't either. No, I always think, I I tell someone on a daily basis that every little decision I made has led me to this exact point, which is so weird to think about. Like every little thing, just saying yes or no to one thing. Like even, for example, when I got, when I moved to Bondi Beach, I got a gelato job and I was desperate for work. And I'm like, okay, how did this happen? Like, my ego really got in the way where I'm like, I have a master's degree. I went to a good college. I had a really good job for five years. Like, why the fuck am I scooping gelato? And it really humbled me. But I was like, wait, if I would have never done that, I would have never had the drive to be like, I don't want to work here anymore. You know what I mean? If I would have gotten a cushy job right when I got here, I think I would have just stayed there forever. But I was like, no, I want to find something else to do. So then I almost pushed myself to look for other work, which then led me to a social media job, which then led me to another job. Like everything has just worked out. And so that I could put all those things in my resume, then it helped me out now, like while I'm here. I'm like, that wouldn't have happened if I just said no with the gelato job. So it's like very weird that every little thing does add up. Yeah. And now we're podcasting in Broome, Broome Western Australia. Other coast, which is wild. So let's go back to your decision to come to Australia. You get the working holiday visa. Did you come right away or did you wait like six months to come? What was your timeline from when you got it approved? I think I got it approved in March. It was like around spring break because I remember I went on a road trip for spring break and my roommates were like planning when they're gonna visit me and we were like talking all about it and I was that was kind of my like holy shit moment mm-hmm. like I'm going to Australia so then at that point I just tried to soak everything in and I had about four months because I had to graduate college still so I had three months left of that and then I took a month to be with family and then yeah I came out here so it all kind of it felt like it happened really fast but I did give myself enough time to kind of Right. adjust 
Yeah, to give everyone like background into the visa we're on, we're on the 462 subclass of the working holiday visa. And when you get it granted, which like Rachel said, is so easy. Mine came within five minutes. You have a year to activate it. So you don't have to go right away. You could save up for a year and then go, which is actually really nice. How much did you save? Because this is a big question mark that Americans do not know. We've never traveled this long. This is something like unheard of. How much were you like, I really need this in the bank? Or were you like, I'll just figure it out when I get there? So I saved more than you need to, to come out here because I did the working holiday a little bit different in that I traveled first before working because there's so many ways, like there's no set template of how you have to do a working holiday. Just like we were talking about with life. There's no Mm -hmm. set way that you should do your working holiday. Just do whatever fits you. Worked out for me that I had enough money saved that I could travel right away. But I know a lot of people sometimes just save enough money for their plane ticket Mm. to get out and like enough for a month of living because it might take you about a month to get settled in find a job, get that income. So as long as you really have that plane ticket in like a month, I think the visa wants you to have 5,000 Australian dollars. It's Australian dollars, right? And then it, which is 3,000 American, roughly something like that. So you really don't, as long then your flights may be 2,000. So if you have like 5,000, you can get out here and Mm -hmm. get going. And then you get here, the minimum wage in Australia is really high compared to the States. Um, even if you're a server or any kind of job, the minimum wage is, I think, $22 an hour, yeah, something like high. that. So that's really nice. So you can get here, get a job, and then that will fund your travels the rest of the time. That's even what the visa says in the application is, like, the work here is to fund your travels. Right. So you don't have to have 12 months of travel money. I don't know anyone that has 12 months no. of money saved. Like you said, I know people that. that just had the... The plane ticket and enough to be like, I can get groceries when I get there or stay in a hostel and then figure it out. Yeah. I saved, because I want to give people specific numbers. I saved 6000 US, but when it converted, it was 10000 Australian. So I was like, I'm rich. Oh my God. Like, I'm going to spend it on everything. And I did not budget at all. But I also knew I was going to Bali for a month for my yoga teacher training. And immediately, I think that was $2,000. So I was like, okay, that leaves me with eight-ish thousand dollars mm-hmm. actually no it's two thousand us so i ended up probably having like seven thousand australian spent a lot of it in bali spent a lot of it up front like i did not work at all before bali so i think i yeah. was for a month just like bopping around bondi going out staying with friends eating out every single day and then i think when i came back from bali after like the plane ticket and shopping and getting tattoos and all these things i was like you need to get a job and yeah. I had to put in security deposit for an apartment, pay rent. I think I had enough to live for like three more weeks comfortably. And that's when I was like, but it could take long to get a, longer to get a job. So it depends how you spend your money too. Like I could have made that last six more months if I wanted to. I was just like, swipe, swipe, throwing my money away. Absolutely. So I want to know, like if you knew you were traveling up front, did you have a goal number in mind or were you actually looking up like tours being like, okay, if this is this much, I need to save this much. I really didn't. I did not think this much when I came here. You definitely thought a lot more than I did. I kind of just came and went. Um, so when I first got here, I had no idea what I was doing. Cause you like you Google stuff. I was listening to all these Australian podcasts actually. Mm. And I was trying to find people that have done it before. So Finding this would have been so helpful for me because it was actually hard because there's not that many American backpackers Mm-mm. that do this. So I kind of struggled and I did not know what I was getting myself into. So I ended up finding this company called Welcome to Travel and I booked a tour through them. And their whole thing essentially is like, hey, we'll get you introduced to Australia. It was they work out of Melbourne specifically. So we'll get you introduced to Melbourne and then we'll, you know, we'll pick you up from the airport. We'll get your tax file set up. We'll get your bank set up. Uh, and then we'll like talk about what you want to do after this little tour. So I did that with them, got everything set up, got introduced. And then they sat me down. They're like, okay, what do you want to do? And at that point when I came here, it was July. Again, me not thinking that was a middle of Australian winter. And I was in Melbourne, which is one of the coldest places you can be in Australia because it's so southern so i was like okay i looked at my finances with the tour guide the owner of the company that was running everything and he's like you have enough money to do this 
So we set out a budget. I was like, okay, I will give you this much money. What can I do? And then he ended up making my entire East Coast trip for me. Oh my gosh. Which was so amazing. So I didn't go into, there's, uh, you know, tour companies like Happy Travels, um, Peter Peter Pan's. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up just going with this guy and I trusted him so much because he had taken care of everything already for me. And we had a really good friendship going on that, yeah, I just, he set everything up for me and then I went and then. It was amazing. And my, actually, my biggest hesitation, why I wanted to, I actually wanted to work right away when I got here. And it wasn't because of the money, it was because I was so scared that I was coming alone. And so I was like, okay, I'll get a job, I'll make friends, I'll make, like, I'll meet roommates, and then we'll do this East Coast together. And this is when I had to have complete faith in this tour guide, because he was telling me, he's like, 90% of backpackers doing the East Coast are by themselves. And I was like, I just kind of looked at him. I was like, what? I was like, no way. You're just saying that, so I do it. And he was like, no, people do it by themselves. Like, they come independently. And he's like, you're going to meet people all along the way, which is exactly what happened. As I started in Melbourne, I met some other people that were on the tour. Went up to, I went to Canberra. I don't know why. I went to Canberra. And then I went to Sydney. And then I went all the way up. And every city I was going, kept meeting backpackers that were like, yep, I'm going to that city too. Because everyone kind of has the same East Coast plan. When you do start talking to any travel agents, tour guides, like they know where to tell you. So we kind of all get our information from the same place. So everyone's really doing the same itinerary, just at different speeds. Mm -hmm. Um, And then sometimes, you know, I found myself doing extra excursions because I had a little bit extra money. So I was doing extra things. But that was like the best way to meet people too, is I would go on like a dolphin kayaking tour and then there'd be people on that group and then we'd be like, okay, what are you doing now? So Mm -hmm. then you'd go out to dinner together, you'd go to a party or like you'd meet the people in your hostel. So that was like my big thing. Before I got here, so I was so nervous to travel by myself, but it just worked out so perfectly. So I did all of that. I think I came over here with about eight thousand US, so definitely more than you That's need. Like, what, Fifteen, yeah, now, maybe a little less. I think it was like around twelve, yeah, twelve thousand or something 12, Australian, because I was able to pay for my East Coast tour. I was then able to do the West Coast tour as well. Because mm. midway through my East Coast tour, I was just having the time of my life. I was meeting so many people. This is after I just had my little epiphany moment. So I was like, okay, I need to keep this ball rolling. Like I was just trying to trust my energy and my heart at that mm-hmm. moment. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do the West Coast as well. But then I knew I needed a job like the second I was done with that, which again, I got lucky. I contacted the same guy and he actually ended up getting me an interview for the job that I had in Melbourne. And so the day I got back to Melbourne, I essentially, so my travels were Melbourne, backpacking all the way up to Cairns. So I did every little thing along the East Coast. Then I flew from Cairns to Darwin, did the Intrepid Travels tour from Darwin down to Perth. Mm. And then I flew back from Perth to Melbourne. So I just made a big circle. Wow. Got back to Melbourne because that was the nice thing about traveling right away in Australia is that I knew I liked Melbourne the best and I knew that's where I wanted to center myself. So I would recommend that if you do have the money, like travel right away and then you can figure out what you like. Yeah. Because if I would have stayed in Melbourne, you know, right away, I, you know, maybe I would have loved Sydney more. Maybe I wanted Mm -hmm. to live in Bondi or something like that. So, yeah, but then it was nice. So then I got a job pretty much right away. I did my alcohol training. So you have to do alcohol training here. They're very strict here. Very strict about alcohol here. Uh, So I did my alcohol training, had the interview that same day. And then ended up working that night. Oh my gosh. So it worked out really fast for that. I love that you did that route too. Because like you said, now you not only have seen Australia, but then you could decide on your own. Where mine was a little flipped where I knew so many people in Sydney that I kind of was just like, all right, I'm going to Sydney. And I, it was nice because I was hanging out with friends and people that I knew and could easily get adjusted. And then they would introduce me to their friends and their friends. And I do love Sydney. But I'm like, you know what's funny is I never really gave the other spots a chance. I was just like, Sydney's it. And if I would have traveled, maybe my mind would have been changed. So what's interesting, too, is that you're the third person I've heard that has done the Welcome to Travel. And it's highly regarded. So you're saying, like, definitely try that if you're in the same boat as you. A thousand percent. Like, I wouldn't recommend something that I'm kind of... Yeah. No, I absolutely loved it. Daryl was, he's one of the founders and he was the guy that helped me through everything. And I could call him right now, even though that's a big pandemic, I know he would answer 
and he would just talk me through everything. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely amazing. I definitely recommend it. That's awesome that you've had other people. Yeah. And it was actually all people in Cairns. Really? Okay. Yeah. Which is interesting because you were in Cairns too. Yeah. You kind of meet like a little family and then yeah. they have like their little logo and you see anyone with that logo, it's like an immediate friendship. That's actually kind of how I met quite a bit of my friends up the East Coast right. as well. So I would literally, they would give you a water bottle. Again, eco-friendly. Yeah. They like start you off with a water bottle and they're like, hey, don't buy the plastic stuff because us travelers, you know, mm-hmm. you're not set up. So yeah, you see the water bottle and you're like, hey. And it was it's nice because it's a travel company that's it's small you you meet the owners it's not you know the big boxed ones Mm -hmm. that you're like where is my money going who's my money going to like i would do anything for that (laughs) like i love them and i know they would do anything for me and it's just it's a really nice relationship so it's funny you said Mm -hmm. something about them being family because i noticed that too is like i feel like my biggest fear coming alone was i don't have family here the friends that I do have here actually are all in like relationships, like very seriously, either engage or live together. And the other people I know aren't in Sydney. So I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to make friends. It's going to be really hard for me to ever feel like settled. And then once you start working in certain jobs and meeting certain people, even if you're only there for a few weeks, like even in Cairns, I was there for two weeks. I worked at a hostel for accommodation, which we can talk about in a second. But even a girl there was like, you can always come back. I have your back. Like, don't worry about anything. If you need money, let me know. And I was like, what? I've known you for two weeks. Like, it sounds crazy to say out loud because I feel like in America, imagine if you worked at a job for two weeks and then left. They'd be like, get the fuck out. Don't ever come back. You've no. only worked here for two weeks. We don't have your back. We're here. They're like, we have you. And then interesting enough, my gelato manager, which I just talked about, texted me today and she's like, how are you? Like, I feel like you do start developing these like family connections all over because everyone is in the same boat. Relationships progress so fast here. Yes. It's great. Well, even us, Chelsea. Yeah. (laughs) We met, we hung out twice and then you got this job offer first and you're essentially like, I want to move to room with me. Yeah. Like they have an extra spot open. I'd be like, we just clicked so well. And there were so many like signs in the beginning that we right. were like, yeah. Like you just, again, you don't overthink things. No one overthinks things here. No. You just go with your gut. And yeah, in, my, in Melbourne at my job, I was such a family. And I remember on Christmas that was, I, cause I haven't really been homesick that mm-hmm. much here except for Christmas. And then now a little bit with the, I'm the exact pandemic. Same. Um, but Christmas, I remember I kind of, I walked in and I said, Hey to everyone, but then I kind of quickly walked out. So I just knew I wasn't, I was really homesick and I just didn't want to have those negative feelings around everyone else. I just kind of wanted to deal with it. And one of the guys like immediately ran out and gave me a hug and he's like, we're your family. And he gave me this big pep talk. And then I was like, okay, I'm actually going to start crying here. You're like, thank God I have family here. Thank God I have family here. And that's what he kept saying. He's like, is because he was from India and he was like, I remember my first Christmas in Australia away from my family and like how hard it is. And I think that's what makes people relate so much mm-hmm. is because I think the stats are something like one in every three, one in every four people in Australia is like an international mm. citizen. Like they're from somewhere else originally. So, so many people like you're in the same boat together and you just make those relationships fast. Because you have a connection, like mutual love for travel for right. one. And then you've been through similar experiences in some way. And like, you don't, you know, especially backpackers, you don't know anyone else. So no. you might as well connect with the people in front of you. And you're probably leaving that place soon. It's not like you're trying to get settled. You're like, oh, I only need to talk to people that are going to live here for a while. It's like, I know I'm leaving here in a month or three months or next week. Let me just make as many connections as possible. Because you also never know when you're going to run into someone again. Like, I even yeah. said I would not be shocked if I just someone right now that I knew from Bondi was in Broome. Like, I would not be shocked because that's how small, even though Australia is huge, I feel like you easily can run into people that you know. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's what happened a lot when I did the East Coast trip. As I was like, I had no idea you were going to be at this hostel or this. And then you just get so excited because okay. it's someone familiar. But then it's so funny when you're talking back home. You're like, oh, I met up with Eddie over here. Then there was Ryan. And then there, who are these people? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, they're my best friends. Like, yeah. I do not know. Yeah. So it's just funny. 
Working for accommodation is a big theme amongst backpackers, which I did not know until I was in Cairns. So working for accommodation means you work at a hostel or wherever you are, um, either doing like cleaning or events or social media or dishes, something, cooking. Um, right now, Rachel and I are actually nannying for accommodations, so we don't have to pay rent. But is this your first work for a comm setup or did you ever do that before? So this is my first work for a comm setup. I had something going in cans, but then I came here fast. So I never ended up doing that. So this is my true first work for a comm. And oh, I wish I had something like this in Melbourne. Like it is such a nice setup for backpackers because even just worrying about the logistics of where you're going to live and then, you know, like when I had my house in Melbourne, it was, I had to find that house and then, you know, I had to buy my bed sheets, I had to buy hangers, I had to buy my hamper, I had to buy all this stuff for the house that was so much added to cost that I didn't even think about versus here in Broome, I already have the place. I don't need to worry about looking through all these like Facebook and realestate.com and all of this, all these different sites. Like it was set up, um, there's a set contract set expectation so that was good and then you know I had my bed I had the bed sheets had everything already here mm -hmm. so and then you you know you don't have that expense either so you know I don't mind cleaning I don't yeah. mind dating hanging out with the kids like it's, right. a, it's a great time for me so yeah I wish I would have done this more and it's a really good chance for backpackers especially too if you're coming here and you don't have so much money saved up perfect right which is yeah. something that I had no idea about really until I got to Cairns. And I was I emailed this hostel for employment opportunities to work there for my 88 days. And then they're like, well, we don't have a position open, but you can work doing social media for accommodation. And I always had this thing in mind that, oh, you have to be doing like dishes or cleaning for accommodation. I didn't realize you could be doing event stuff. And I was like, wait, I can do social media for events. And they're like, yeah, as long as it's like 12 hours a week. And then someone was like, yeah, you know, they do it a lot. Like you can do yoga for accommodation. If you're a fitness instructor, you can do that for accommodation. You just have to clock certain hours. So that is a big tip. Like Rachel was saying, if you don't have money and you're like, I'm not blowing $200 a week on rent. Another weird thing. You pay rent weekly here. Um, if you're not ready to do that, then look into working for accommodation. Cause that is very popular amongst backpackers. And you can do it in some beautiful places. Like, absolutely beautiful. Like, Fraser Island, look it up. You can, they just call them, like, volunteers there. And you can spend a month, two months on Fraser Island. Like, a place people pay really good money to go to. But they need people to run it up. Like, I made friends with the volunteers and they were, like, cleaning the beach. And stuff like I would volunteer to do anyways. Right. And then those, the volunteers on Fraser Island, they actually had a perfect setup. Because it was accommodation food and alcohol all for free whoa so like they weren't spending a dime and they were doing it because it was like towards the end of their visa and they didn't have any money right but they wanted to stay here so they were why not live in this gorgeous island yeah for free that's amazing that's that's the thing with backpackers i think especially when you come solo you think you have to have it all figured out no one's gonna help you you're gonna be stuck and i'm like no if you're in a backpacker backpacker position People really are willing to help out. Like if you're struggling, I actually wasn't even supposed to get my bond back at the hostel. I was supposed to stay for four weeks. And then with all this shit going on, I had to leave early. And they're like, we understand like you didn't have an income while you were here. You were actually trying to find a job. Like, don't even worry. We'll give you your bond back. I was like, what? I feel like in America would be like, nope, you signed a contract. That's like on you. It's in writing. And we're here. They're like, girl, we got you. Like, yeah. we know what you're going through. It's yeah. Cause they've probably been in your situation yeah. before. So it really is a nice community. If, mm -hmm. And then, you know, I've gotten a lot of help, but I've received so many like Instagram DMs, Facebook messages of just random people that have found me somehow on the internet. And then they ask me all these questions and I get so excited. Yeah. Like, let me tell you everything. Yeah. Because you just want to like help the community back. Right. Now and it's you like, know. I've already done it. Let me help you. Yeah. It's nice. Which is weird at this point. Like I'm yeah, so far into my visa already and I still kind of feel new. But now I remember meeting people when I first got here and they're like, oh, I've been here eight months. And I was like, wow, it's amazing. And now I'm like, oh my God, I'm that backpacker now. Like, yeah. You've done so it all. I've done it.
backpacking and the community in Australia, I feel like we all really have each other. You know what's been really helpful too is Facebook groups. That's actually how we met. Yes. I cannot recommend Facebook groups enough. My friend is like, you're obsessed with Facebook groups. And I'm like, they have changed my life. Like everything that has happened, like apartments, meeting people, um, looking into coaches, investing, whatever has come from Facebook groups. And I think we both joined the Cairns one because we were going to go up there to look for our 88 days. So going back again, Rachel and I are on the same exact visa so we can do hospitality or tourism. And Cairns is one of the most popular places for backpackers because it's really tropical. It's on that East Coast stop that Rachel was Mm -hmm. talking about. The whole place is basically backpackers. Uh, It's also really tropical. So I think that was probably a draw for you. I was like, it's by the water. It's going to be by the Great Barrier Reef. Like I can do all these trips while I'm there. Why not? We both joined the backpacker group for that specific region. And I think I just posted like, hey, I'm looking for a job. I'm American, blah, blah, blah. And then you commented, you're like, I'm in the same boat. I'll be there next week. And like you said, relations, the relationships progress so quickly. We're like, hey, what's up? Do you want to meet up? We went out one night, hung out another night. And it was like, hey, you want to come to Broome with me? And it's like, yeah, no problem. Where that's, I'm just trying to relate this to America. That's like if you met a girl out in your hometown in like Florida and then two hangouts later you're like do you want to move to LA with me for a temporary job you would look at that person and just laugh you would be like I would block them (laughs) like I would be like this person is psychotic they wanted me to move across the country with them and I'm like no that's what we did though we moved to another state together like that's wild another state yeah what was your because you actually got here a week before me because now we're getting into the coronavirus stuff why did you decide to come earlier and what was the coronavirus like, you know, pandemic alert at that point? So I came to Cannes or I was in Cannes and I came to Broome immediately just because I had applied to probably a hundred jobs in the course of like 10 days between, you know, Seek and Indeed. And it wasn't like I was just click apply, 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 apply. Like I was tailoring my resume, tailoring the cover letter to each of these I was going into the restaurants or going into the bars, like trying to sell myself. And there were so many jobs and I had like two that were interested in me at this time. Um, But like the logistics were not all there. And then you told me about the broom job and then just everything was pretty much there except for I had to go out to broom. Mm -hmm. But I actually already wanted to come to Western Australia in my second year anyway. So I just kind of saw it as like the perfect opportunity to go. So I basically called the mom of the kids that were nannying and I was like, hey, can I come now? She was, of course, come now. You can help me clean up the house, like do all this stuff. So then I came here because I was just so, I just knew I wouldn't get anything in Cairns because of the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Every single place. I think you had this experience too, as you would walk into a pub and they would say, yeah, we absolutely love you. Um, we'll maybe call you in four weeks because tourism is down due to coronavirus. And that was my response over and over. And I was so sick of hearing that. And so like once this came up, I was like, yep, I'm all in. I'm going. I just, I have to do it. Especially because we went through a job agency and it was guaranteed yeah. hours. Yeah. yeah. So that was something hugely important for me. So then came out here and then obviously it's just, it's been things evolve every single day. But that's... I keep going back to, I'm really glad that I did a bunch of stuff that I already wanted to do. Because mm-hmm. now I'm looking in the face of, oh, I might not get my second year. And that's really scary. But I know I've had the best eight months that I could have possibly had. And looking back, you know, from when I left the States, like I'm way more in tune with myself as a person. That sounds like cheesy, but I it's am. True. It's so true. I've made all these connections with people across the world that I wouldn't have otherwise met. So I really have nothing to regret. So I came a week after you because I was doing that work for accommodation at the hostel. And I felt bad because they said, please give us a week notice. I was really good friends with the girl that was my roommate who ran most of the roster. And so I was like, I don't want to screw her over. But also I was living for free there. And I don't actually don't even think we were slated to start work for another week anyway. So I was like, I'm just going to wait and sort everything out and then we spent a lot of money to get over here you did a direct flight yeah i did a 
flight to Darwin and then a 24-hour Greyhound bus. 24-hour. 24. Like, you guys are hearing that, right? Two, four hours. Luckily, it stopped a lot. I thought it was just going to be a straight shot for some reason, but it did stop. We did have breaks. The thing is, like, it wasn't that bad because I was like, well, first of all, if I go with the mindset of this sucks, I'm going to hate the whole car ride. Yeah. I was like, just think you have entertainment, you can sleep, there's a bathroom, you have snacks, you get to eat a few times every, like, few hours. Yeah. So that was that experience. I just remember getting to Broome being exhausted, and I was like, okay, I just need to pass out. But we were still both slated to work. Like, we, I think yeah. you were supposed to start work that Monday, and I was supposed to do orientation. And then what happened at, like, 5 p.m., this is this past weekend, yeah. we get news that anything non-essential, so pubs, clubs, gyms, bars, basically anything you don't need to live needs to be closed down. And we were like, oh, well, that's interesting because we were just about to start our work literally tomorrow. So at this point, before we actually had the official meeting, what was going through your head? Well, it was, it was a really intense moment for me when I found out because I was out to dinner like at the beach with the family that we're nannying for, which conveniently is the managers of the place that we're working at. Um, So I found out with them because the dad, he ended up getting a phone call of like someone just really frantically being like, we have to shut the bar by noon tomorrow. And we just all, all of our faces just went, went deadpan. We were shocked and we're like, this is our worst fears. But then, you know, as we've been thinking about it, it's, Really, like, that's just something we have to do. Mm -hmm. Like, it was really weird to be seeing the rest of the world shut down. And then, like, our bar was, like, planning parties and all this stuff. Like, it just felt really weird. So, at the end of the day, like, it really, for this pandemic, like, that was the best call. Uh, But it was really hard because we obviously had plans. Like, everyone has had plans, and then coronavirus has just stopped them. So it's it's a really weird time as a backpacker. I'm constantly checking up like all the immigration. Can I even get back into the States? How much are the flights? Like Chelsea and I were looking at the flights last night. It was like $10,000 to get home. $10,000? Yeah. T- <laughs> like what? I saw 10.1K on the thing. And I was just, okay, I'm not going home yeah. then. No. Um, and then, like you've said, Chelsea, you said this, like, if we get stuck in a layover, like, let's say we're connecting through Dubai, and then Dubai airport shuts down, and then I'm stuck in Dubai, and then I'm trying to figure out that, or I get stuck in wherever. Like, even if I get stuck in L.A., like, I don't know anyone in right. L.A. Like, I'd have to be paying L.A. rent, which I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So... It's uh, it's kind of a weird time for backpackers, too, because I think the government is reacting just as fast as they can, but they don't have it. Like, there's so many visas to sort out. And what about people that were pending? What about people that haven't done their 88 days? What if people had, like, 80 days and only had eight left? Do you know what I mean? There's all these different scenarios that I think the government is like, holy shit, we don't even know how to react to this. Yeah. And so when I checked in this week... They basically said if you haven't done your work, like your 88 days, you cannot get an extension, which obviously is the exact reason why Rachel and I were out here was to get that extension of a year. And now it's like, oh my God, the reality is like, we might not get another year here. We might just have to finish out our visas and get a tourist visa. But like you said, at least you got to do all the things you wanted to do. And at least right now we're, we're quote unquote stuck in a nice house we both have our own rooms we have food we have a kitchen we have a pool it's not like we're stuck in you know some gross hostel that we can't leave yeah but the other side of that is like what Rachel was talking about like the state borders are closing you can't have people enter Australia like even in the states it's like can I fly into Florida or am I going to be isolated in that exact airport like I'm so unclear and so we're very much right now in this state of like constantly checking things, reading the news, keeping up to date on these Facebook groups, but also like really having to clarify a lot of rumors because we both saw something that we were going to get an automatic extension, right? Like you heard the same thing. So we're like, hell yeah, we don't have to do the work. We're going to get an extension. And I called the government and they're like, no, you're not. I'm like, oh, (laughs) that's what everyone's been saying. So there's a lot of like misinformation out there. There's a lot of rumors, but there's also a lot of things that the government is trying to do to help. It's just... 
every single day, every single hour, something changes. So I do think Rachel and I got lucky because A, we're here together. So it's like we're both stuck somewhere that we don't know anybody. B, this family is so nice and generous. And C, at least we have all this stuff. It's not like we've left our bags anywhere or like don't have clothes or can't eat. Like we're fine. I think right now it's just a question mark of we also don't have an income. Like that's kind of scary. That is scary. Like it's, we don't have an income. When are we able to, there's no end date here. When is it over? Should we fly home? Are we going to get stuck at an airport? Are we going to get our parents sick? Do we need to stay here for three months? Like I think every single day, these are the thoughts that are going through our head. Yeah. There's so many questions. Everyone's, there's so many questions for everyone. And then just being in a foreign country adds so much on top of it. And I don't know, Chelsea, if you're getting this, but I'm getting just so many messages from back home from family and like friends, like people I barely know. Everyone's putting in their own two cents and Mm -hmm. opinions. And then it's just so stressful to have to, I feel like I have to explain myself to everyone which I don't like no I really just have to day by day make the best decision for me and my family like knowing I would go back to them because I don't want to get any of them sick because I would have to take four at least four flights Mm -hmm. to get home because I'd be going from Broome which is super remote to Minneapolis Minnesota which is not a hub so that's at least four flights I'd be taking and all the other travelers I could maybe get sick but then I'm also sitting here for six months without a job. It's, you know, and we don't get stipends or any help, which, mm-hmm. you know, so many people from the States are getting so excited because there's stipends. Same with Australian citizens. Like, we are just... We're like in a limbo. Because yeah. we're not in America, but we're not Australian citizens. So we don't get that stipend. Yeah. So we're getting really scrappy. Like, Rachel and I are looking at applying to grocery stores, anything that would be open here. We were job hunting online today, looking for remote jobs. I'm trying to see all the ways that I can monetize my skills. Like, this is a time I feel like a lot of people are starting to realize, like, what value can I bring to other people that I could potentially monetize? At the same time, again, there's that uncertainty of, like, there's no end date. So it's like, how long do we have to do this? Like, is it 12 weeks? Is it one week? Is it six months? And... I think the reality is, like, we don't know. That's the reality. Like, I feel like right now I'm planning out plan B, C, and D because also money, like, we don't have $10,000 to just fly home tomorrow. No. (laughs) Like, that's crazy. So I feel like both of us are kind of waiting things out, talking to our families, seeing what's best. Like, I don't know, what what has your family said or, or what are you, like, leaning towards? I know my family trusts me. They, like, because I know more information Mm because... A lot of people are looking at the disease and they look how scary it is and the outbreaks, but we are more focused on all the travel restrictions and all of that. So all of my focus is really going towards that and trying to keep myself as well as everyone else around me healthy. And it's also just really weird as a backpacker because you see all these backpacking communities that don't really take it seriously sometimes. Mm -hmm. I know you're saying that about cans and I see some of my backpacker friends still partying and doing all of this. It just seems like it doesn't affect some people. It's just such an odd spot to be in. But yeah, um, my head's just, I'm trying not to be rash, which is kind of difficult in this situation because it seems like you need to make fast decisions. But just in my experience, I don't like I'm not a rash person I like to think out my decisions um so that I'm just trying to take it day by day hour by hour constantly looking at the news and just seeing what's the best yeah and there's so many we were talking about this earlier variables that are affecting other variables it's like yeah technically I could leave this week for ten thousand dollars or technically I could leave in a few weeks but then I'm risking flying four different flights and then bringing the disease home to my family Or I could wait 12 weeks and get a cheap flight, but then I'm not making money here. Like, there's so many different scenarios. It's like a uh, Rubik's Cube that you're like, how the fuck do I get this to the right setting? That's a perfect analogy. Like, how do I turn it that every which way will just be perfect? And it's like, there's kind of no way right now. Like, I don't think you can solve it right now. No, you put it really perfectly. There's pretty much three options. It's go back home now, but then you pay $10,000 go home in like a couple of weeks or something with a cheaper flight and you go on four flights to get there, like that medium option doesn't even work. Or the extreme of staying here for three months, you know, wait till things have died down, wait till it's a cheaper flight, but then you didn't 
have any income. And what are we going to do all day long? That's the for thing. three months. We already have not been working. Like I, this is, I'm going now into my third week of not working, which the first two weeks were fine. Cause I was job hunting. I was at a hostel. I actually went on a tour cause this was when the virus hadn't like really exploded yet. I was by the pool. I was like very entertained. We're even just two days here where we're not really doing anything. I'm like, oh my God, I have to fill my hours up doing something or this is going to get like really old really fast. I don't know. What are your thoughts on not working this long? So for me, it's been even longer because I was traveling before all of this went down because I was in New Zealand Mm. and then my mom came over to visit. So we were doing a little bit of traveling together. So I already hadn't worked for a few weeks. And then, yeah, then I was job hunting in Cairns and then I came out here. So it's been a while for me. So not had income. Uh, But at the same time, I'm trying to, I'm filling all my time by watching the news, applying for more jobs. And then I'm also trying to use this time in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And like we said at the beginning of the podcast, you know, you can find out what you want to do rather than what you should do. So I've been making all these lists of things like, if I had all the time in the world, what do I want to do? So I've been getting way more into meditation. I've been getting more into like my workouts. I've been been planning stuff for when I go home. I've been looking at masters and PhD ecology programs and I've been doing all this stuff. So I've been trying to balance out my time between the three of those things like news, jobs, and then just like furthering growth into my interests. Yeah. I would say that's such an important thing to know is let's say this does last for six months. Like we really don't know. It's going to be so interesting to see how people use their time. Like, do you want to say at the end of six months that you watch every single show on Netflix and that was it? Like, probably not. Any time that you've like, oh, I want to start that one thing. I wanted to go look at that degree or I really wanted to start a new workout. Like, this is the time to do it. We don't have any other excuse because we're being forced by the government to stay inside. (laughs) So it's like, you can't even use an excuse of like, oh, I didn't have time. It's like, no, you literally were forced to use your time inside. So... I'm trying to do the same thing of like, I used to hate at home workouts and now I'm like, you don't have any other choice. And now I'm learning to actually really love them. And also now it's kind of like opening my mind to like, maybe I can offer at home workouts with yoga. And you even said meditation, like this really is a good time to meditate because we don't have to run. You can't use the excuse. So I have to run somewhere. Like, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> you can't go anywhere. You go, you don't get to run anywhere. Like, You have to be with your thoughts and yourself. Well, I've also noticed the meditation specifically for me has been so helpful because I've always used the excuse of like, I don't have time. But that's kind of crazy because they have like the meditations I've been doing have been like five to ten minutes. Right. But like today I almost started crying because like it was just so perfect. Everything. It was like a guided meditation. Everything they were saying was so perfect and it it, like it really set me up for the day. You saw me this morning when. She was like floating. I just was in such the right headspace and I got so much more done today. Yeah. Because I just like set myself on the right path path for the beginning of the day. I always nice. hear that people that say they can't meditate because they don't have time are the ones that need it the most. Like those yeah. meditation that needs to be your first priority because that, like you just said, then sets the tone for the day. So I feel like, yeah, we're trying to develop like morning routines here, especially when you're not working. We could... I mean, technically, I could sleep until one until I wanted to and watch Netflix all day and call that a day. But I'm like, I do not want to go down that path. I've already slept in for two days. I'm like, get out of it, Chelsea. Like, get in a morning routine. Get up. Make breakfast. I'm also trying to learn how to cook. I went crazy at the grocery store yesterday. So I'm like, this is a good time to learn how to cook. So I would say if you're in a situation like Rachel and I where you lost your job or you're unemployed or you're not making income... A, be really scrappy and like you have to be kind of willing to let your ego go. Like it's not like I was looking forward to potentially stocking shelves at the local grocery store, but that's the reality of like, well, A, actually Australia has a really good minimum wage, but B, like that's the only really place that we can physically work right now unless you work online. So you have to let your ego go. You have to use this time to really like self-reflect and just kind of weigh all your options and make plans based on what's going to work best for both your health and like finances. I think we should also just say shout out to all those people doing those jobs for so long. Right? All the doctors, the nurses, the people that stock the set shelves, the delivery garbage, people. yeah, collectors, the delivery people. They make everything yeah. running. I'm so thankful for that and I'm so thankful like 
when I walked into the grocery store and I saw everything was empty. And then I went a couple days later and it was full again. I was like, how many people were involved in doing that? Mm -hmm. And it's actually pretty lucky for everyone doing their farm work right now. Because other visa holders, um, specifically, like if you're from Europe, if you're pretty much from anywhere except for the States, you have to do farm work for your 88 days instead of hospitality. And they all have it set right now because yeah. none of them have really lost their jobs because those are jobs that you need. Yeah, they're in and, demand. Yeah. So they're going to get their 88 days and be signed off on where it's almost like, it's not like a karmic thing, but it is funny that we're like, ew, we never do farm work, no thanks. And now they're like, well, we're the ones getting the second year visas and you guys aren't. And yeah. I guess the thing is like we do have the option if we really wanted to, to do farm work, but you also have to consider how much money Rachel and I spent to get over here we just got settled in here. We're with the family now. Like there's a lot of different decisions that have to be made. So I feel like this whole next week is going to change. I bet you next week I'll report back and have like a totally different update. Oh, completely. It's going to be wild. Yeah. That's where we are right now, but I am happy to help anyone that's in the same situation. Or even if you're just at home in the States and you're like, I don't know what to do with my time. You can always DM me. So, Rachel, I don't know if you want to throw your handle out so people can reach out to you for travel questions. Absolutely. So, my Instagram handle is just Rachel underscore Stro. That's R-A-C-H-E-L underscore S-T-R-O-H. Perfect. You guys can reach out to her. You know you can always DM me at Chelsea Rife or at Non-Expert Opinion Pod. You can write into the podcast, hello at inmynonexpertopinion.com. Or visit the website www.inmynonexpertopinion.com. Thank you so much, Rachel. We're going to get through this. Chelsea. And we'll make it on the other side. Yeah, you guys will as well. Thank you.